0: brought me back to, you know, the 80s, the 90s, the, the aughts um, with regards to just going to a card shop and, and knowing people there and talking hobby and, you know, maybe buying a few packs or seeing something in the case. And it was it was so cool. He just brought me back to that. And it seems like he's just he understands that part of the hobby. And it was it was really cool to watch a show. Did you
1: like, uh, did you like the part where he gave us a tour of his shop and like, and showed the Jordan bar, the, the brick feature wall, the, the reclaimed, uh, wood, uh, I thought that was just, uh, I want to do more of those where, you know, card shop episodes Hear the stories from stories from the shop, like the stories he, some of those stories he told about, you know, um, the stolen collections, uh you know the the the, some of the crime in the hobby you know the the case of exquisite being stolen these are things that i don't you don't hear about that often but but when you do it's uh it's kind of eye-opening and so i'm kind of thinking maybe i should do more of these shows with lcs owners and getting a tour of the shop hearing more about some some of the customers some of the collections they bought some of the you know, stolen collections that have come through the door—that kind of thing. You think you think that that's, would be good content for the channel?
0: Absolutely. And coming out of COVID, I mean, there's bound to be some some card shops opening up or reopening in many respects because I'm sure you know it's it's hard to run a brick and mortar uh, operation when when everybody's shut down. But now that we're coming out of it, there's going to be a reorganization. There's going to be Opportunities and the hobby has amplified in ways that, you know, I think will, will, will sort of usher in a, a real robust opportunity for for the the traditional LCSs.
1: Yeah, I think I think so too. And I want you know he he runs his shop in a real professional manner. Like the six full time staff, that's a lot of responsibility right there. You know, to to make payroll to pay your staff and. He spoke so glowingly about the staff. Like, that's just, uh, you know, we've got some great card shops where I live here. Um, You know, in Calgary, we've got Eastridge, we've got Maple Leaf Sports, among some other sort of smaller ones. And it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's nice to see that he's taken it to like this next level of, I don't even know what to call it, like just, Investing in that bar and making it a tourist attraction, not just a card shop. You know, it's. Uh, I think. It, I, I think it's really cool. I, I, I was impressed with him when I met him at the national in 2019, and um and I, I've literally been bugging him for two years for one of those hats. I actually at the card show in 2019, I asked for. I said, "Hey, do you have any extra hats? I love your hat. Sorry, we just the ones we're wearing. So I'll take that one. They wouldn't give me the ones off their heads. I, I don't. I don't. And I really didn't want one off their. Sweaty heads, you know, but I would have, have, might've, might've taken one anyway, but, um, yeah, just a great guy. So really cool. We have some comments coming in, Joe, uh, and to everybody else, you know, thanks for joining. Just so you know, uh, as advertised Brody, the kid was, was supposed to be our guest tonight on after hours, um, Due to un- unforeseen circumstances, Brody was not able to join, I learned this morning. So we're going to get Brody on again in the future. He's a great, just a great young hobbyist, a great ambassador for the hobby, promoting the hobby among the next generation. So I'm sorry he couldn't come on tonight. And the, the best part was that he was actually in the Indy card exchange yesterday. So I thought what, what a great, uh, you know, sort of some continuity between the two episodes that, that he would have provided, but he couldn't do it tonight. So we'll have him back as soon as he's able to and uh, as soon as we're unscheduled. So we'll do that. But Apex Legends, this comment is from like four hours ago. So I don't think you're still here, Apex, but thanks for dropping the early comment. Dennis is back. Yeah, man, stick around as long as you can stay awake. Global sports card investor. Good day to you, brother. Tracy Shamer says hello to Joe. (laughs) There you go, Tracy. Welcome back. Hockey, hockey. Anyone flexing their Roberto Alomar collection? Yeah, I saw that. I heard people talking about it last night, but I wasn't exactly sure. I hadn't seen it yet, and I saw it on the news this morning. Um, I heard that you know n- nothing's being changed as far as his Hall of Fame uh, status. He's staying in the Hall of Fame, where he right where he is. They're not removing the plaque or anything
0: like that. Joe, you heard you heard you hear about this? Not so much. I mean, Robbie Alomar is like one of the best second basemen of all time. What happened? There's some controversy. Uh, I don't even want I'll let, to, I'll let everybody find out for themselves. I don't want I
1: don't remember the exact allegation, but let's just say it's not good. And um, so he's just losing some popularity, I would say. Chris Kissel, uh, thank you very much, Chris. Really appreciate that. Go get him, Joe. We got Jeffrey Hart. Good evening again to you, Jeffrey. Chad, hey, Jeremy and Joe, late night at work. Finally can catch a live episode. Great. Awesome, Chad. Happy to have you listening. Drive safe. Be sure to drive safe. Lucky K is back. We have card collector 1982. Glad to have you back again. Sanderson to Orr says, I uh, saw you're from Boston. There you go. Tracy Shamer couldn't agree more to Terry fortune. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not dissing anybody guys. Sorry. Uh, Lucky K sounds like Brody, the kid got grounded. Not the case. I, 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 I assure you not the case. Hockey card guy. I have a card from an LCS. It still blows my mind. Still wonder what the guy ended up doing with his stuff. Not sure what that's in relation to, but okay, Chris. AJ, you're back. Great. Looks like you uh, you earned yourself a hat tonight and me too. So AJ, you'll have to reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook and uh, send me an address and we'll get you that hat from Andy. That's really cool. Sports card seller. Hello again to you. (laughs) Oh, must be talking about a I guess Chris was talking about a Robbie Alomar collection or card. Dennis Lescom. It sucks to have a game used Alomar collection and rookie cards of him. David G. Good evening. Andrew Bell says, when and where are you selling those Gretzkys you got graded? Ah, um, I still have them sitting on my desk. Joe will remember because you were with me. Uh, you were with me. Was it last week and after? No, the week before and after. Oh, you were with me on the, the, e- the PWCC party last week.
0: I want to say it's a one, a three, and a four. Authentic, a three and a four. An to... a and a four. Oh, that, that's right. Okay. an authentic. Well, yeah. And I wanted to talk to you about that, Jeremy. I mean, the four, the PSA four is very interesting to me. I don't know. Uh, maybe we need to talk. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I know you've, you, there's been a, no small amount of Gretzky's that have passed through your hands. So I don't know what you're thinking about doing with those. Maybe you want to hold on to them at this point. No, these are not keepers
1: for me. I have a I already have a 4 in my personal collection which is a nicer 4 than this one. So, um I'm going to I would I would keep that one. Uh, Andrew Andrew Bell, first of all, you there's some competition between you and then he says here, I asked about I asked first about the 4. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got we got Gretzky's for everybody, guys. Um well, I shouldn't say that cuz maybe we don't, but Oh, uh, Joe does have a copy right there. That's a BVG three. That's, that is Opichi, right, Joe? Or is that top? No. Yeah,
0: that's my Opichi three. That's like my, th- one of three hockey cards that I own. And uh, I'm very happy with it. It's uh, it's good to have Opichi. That's all I'll say. So to Andrew's question,
1: uh, I will be, these are cards that are going to be sold eventually. Um, I will be set up at the virtual card expo. It's coming up on June 19th and 20th. Let me put that right here in the ticker, guys. Sportcardexpo.com. Go there to register. It is free to attend the show. You're mm-hmm. going to have virtual booths. I will be hosting my virtual booth there for the third time. Uh, so check. And I don't know that it's open to registration yet. It may not be, but check out the website. Follow the show on Instagram at Sportcardexpo. And there's the dates for you. I'm. Uh, I mean, I've been. I've been a part of the Sport Card Expo for over 15 years, and as far as an attendee and a vendor, so I'm a big fan of the show. It's hard to keep me away from that show. So uh, make sure you all come down and check it out. Jeff McMahon, hello again, and hi to Joe. Uh, Chris says, "Oh, a story from an LCS, not a card. I see that was in regards to shop owners trying to rip off customers. Yeah." You know that I talked to Andy after the show after we ended that last show I said you know that's not a comment I'd usually bring onto the screen and address because it's almost accusatory of whatever that that the person who asked that question you know and if you guys know me from watching you know that I, sometimes I get a little annoyed with certain comments that come through and that is that comment or question certainly had the potential to annoy me but again because I find it accusatory and it throws negative shade at the hobby and the LCS owners who are a key they're a key part of the core of the hobby. So I didn't like it. But then I thought to myself, you know what? Let's give a professional LCS owner the opportunity to address it and, and be honest about it. And as I said during that last show, if Andy was the kind of guy who was going to take advantage of people walking through his door, I wouldn't have him on the show. So I knew that he was the right guy to answer the question. And the timing really couldn't have been better to handle uh, a question of that tone. So I'll leave it at that. Pringle, good evening again, Jeremy Pringle. And Terry Fortune says to auction them live now. I mean, I don't know how big of an audience we have here that's in the market. I know I got two bidders, but thats uh, I don't want to pit them against each other. So we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> here, here. You got your, your bidding placard ready to go? Well, you know, it depends on who's out there. Yeah. Lucky K, have either of you looked at diversifying your collection into something you haven't collected much of before? Well, Joe, why don't you take that? Because I can talk about this too. You well,
0: uh, I, I I have. And, uh, you know, I'm frequently looking out into the world of, of trading cards. Um, recently, you know, looking at music as an opportunity. Um I think we've talked a little bit about, you know, figures like Madonna or John Lennon or, you know, all sorts of, of amazing folks. Yeah. Elvis. Mick Jagger, uh, all these guys. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe. I mean, and I don't, I don't think that's particularly surprising. Um, you know, and, and then I, I, I do a, a few tickets just because I like s- uh, sports tickets that I've attended games or, very fancy sports tickets like a Super Bowl or an all-star game that have really cool, um, you know, graphics going on with it. But yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, you're always, you're always looking and you're always kind of interested in what the the emerging market might be. And and there's a lot of cool stuff out there too. Yeah, no, there, there, there's always
1: cool stuff that you're I find I'm discovering more cool stuff all the time. And I've said it before, but I'll I'll say it again because the question is in front of us right now. You know, I've been collecting Hall of Fame rookie cards my whole life, really really since. You know, I got serious about them in the late 80s. And, you know, along the way, I've had to supplement my collecting habits with other things because I'm a collector. It's in my blood. So I collect some sets here and there, very insert sets, various... Nice patch sets, some parallel sets that I put together from various years. And, you know, about six months ago or so, I got interested in these, in this non-sport stuff. I did dabble. I dabbled very briefly in Pokemon cards. And it was almost like I tried to get into it. I, I thought, you know what? The, some of the characters are cool. The artwork is cool. There's a humongous market for it. I recognize it's the biggest IP in the world. So may, maybe it's worth collecting. And then when I actually looked into it and I did my due diligence, my research by watching some of the original, one of the original movies and some of the original cartoons. And I pretty quickly realized it wasn't for me. I could not get into it at all. So I, I mean, I I have a few cards I bought purely on spec and I still have them, but I don't, I deleted my, let's just say I deleted any searches I had related to Pokemon on my eBay and I'm, I'm no longer interested in it, but I did then get into what i am interested in which is like i call i refer to it as music hollywood and historical figures and so i am diversifying my collect i don't even like the word diversifying in in that context because it's not about like a diversifying a portfolio it's more about expanding the scope of what i'm collecting um so that's more what i'm doing but thanks for the question lucky Fire Sports. Jeremy, is that Marino Playmakers Theatre you own going to be for sale at the Expo? No, it is not going to be fire. That is personal collection. AJ 15, who killed it in that last episode. I first started watching your show with Com C interview. Now happy to... Thanks, AJ. Really appreciate that. Great to have you. Jason Pringle got home in time for After Hours. Jason, great. And we have two Pringle. We have Jason and Jeremy Pringle. They are brothers, guys. Great to have you watching week after week. And, uh, of course, Jason and I go way back. Valentini, just looking at the eBay auctions now and spotted a post coming up with the packs of 79 Tops Hockey, the Gretzky Rookie Year. Do you think they are worth a bid? They're a 710. Uh, I don't know what a pack is worth right now, Valentini. I I, I have a pack of, uh, of 79 Opechie in my collection. I think it's – I love unopened packs, Um, of, I collected 1970 to 1989 Opici hockey packs because that's what I remember opening as a kid, and they are such cool display pieces, the artwork on them, I love them I, I don't know what it's worth right now though, so you'll have to do your own research on that, but I highly recommend people put a pack of unopened 79 hockey in their collection, a pack of 86 Fleer in their collection among some others, they're just cool pieces Joe, do you have any unopened packs in your collection? I mean, uh,
0: just a box, a a blaster of uh, twenty one prism and uh, twenty one select that I'm hoping to rip maybe later tonight. But no, I, it's it's too much for me. It's too much to like have something that could have an iconic card in it. I I I wouldn't trust myself. I understand the attraction and kind of you know the rapper and the the history behind it. I just don't think I have the willpower
1: no fair enough man fair enough Valentini wants to know any stats on how many Gretzky's would come out of a single box of 79 tops I don't know that number um if Bobby Burrell is watching or anyone else who would know uh please feel free to speak up uh Ryan O'Harris is anyone cracking or buying the new tops chrome f1 cards I mean I probably won't but as I said in the last show I've started watching that f1 documentary on Netflix and I'm really enjoying it and I feel like I'm Getting to know some of these drivers who, aside from hearing about Lewis Hamilton in the past, I mean, Daniel Ricardo is someone who's prominently featured in the first few episodes. Max something or other prominently featured in episode three. Enjoying these, enjoying learning about that sport. And uh, boy, they're exciting races to watch. Fresh Bread picked up a sitting bull, 33 Gaudi today. Very cool. Jason Pringles, two girls are into Pokemon. Now you're on the hunt for the cards. I'm sure you are, Jason. Lindsay Jameson, good evening. Watching the actual cartoon is the deal breaker. That's what happened to me. That's exactly what It's like if I never watched the cartoon, I might have still been interested in it. But watching the cartoon ruined the whole thing for me. I realized and I don't. I'm. I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to be negative about Pokemon cards because the thing is that a lot of the adults that collect them now played the game, and that's different. I never played the game. Had I played the game, I'd have that nostalgic connection to them. But I didn't. So instead, my only, the only thing I could really do, and I'm not about to start playing the game. So the only thing I could do is go watch cartoon to learn about the character and my i was watching late at night after my wife would fall asleep she'd get up to go to the bathroom she'd like do a double take like what are you watching i'm like honey I'm, I'm doing research i'm doing research right now you know but yeah as Lindsay says um if you if you're into pokemon cards and you never played the game i caution you do not watch the cartoons i think they will ruin it for you <laughs> eric Regarding not collecting Pokemon, Jeremy, good for you. Collect what you like, like what you collect, leave the rest for everyone else. Well said, Eric. AJ15, with the amazing amount of quarterbacks taken early in the NFL draft, do you think it's a good time to buy last year's rookie rookies while no one's eyes are on them? That's a good strategy. That's a very good strategy. I always say, if you're going to buy hot rookies, withhold, withhold that temptation and wait a year because more often than not, All the hot rookies cards will be cheaper a year from now. Talk to anybody who's been in the hobby for, you know, any given amount of time, you know, over say five, five years or more, that's a pattern that you're going to have, you're going to have, have noticed. So if, but it's, you know, we always want to, we always want to buy what's hot. We're, we're, we're tantalized by it. So it's hard to, right, Joe, it's hard. It's hard not to get caught up in the hype of some of these players, but if you wait Chances are you're going to be able to buy them cheaper next year. So to AJ's question, now now it's a year later from last year's rookies. I would think that there's a couple things going on. One, the most important one, though, is that people are, their focus and their attention is going elsewhere. But maybe I'd wait until the rookies that were drafted this year actually have cards because that's when the money will start pouring onto them. Joe, any comments on that?
0: A super exciting time for NFL collectors um, with with two consecutive drafts of of a lot of uh, uh, really exciting prospects. Herbert, Burroughs, um, you know you've got Jalen Hurts, you've got Jordan Love now with uh, Aaron Rodgers announcing his desire to leave Green Bay, and then you have the whole you know incoming rookie class with with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance and uh, Zach Wilson. It's it is truly an exciting time to be looking at, um, NFL prospecting and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Niners guy, so I'm excited what they did with Trey Lance and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. But, uh, in terms of, uh, names, I'm, I'm kind of into Justin Herbert right now. So, yeah,
1: I'm a little bit into Josh Allen because of that card I got from the, uh, the Beckett industry summit last October, November when they sent you uh, the swag box and I got this beautiful one-of-one one Josh Allen card. So I guess he'd sort of be my guy right now. Okay, uh, hockey guy. Anyone know where I can get a King Tut rookie card? Egypt. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you to Egypt for that. I do sure. not know. Jay Sut says uh, the best F1 documentary is Senna. I did see the ad for that uh, on Netflix the other day and I certainly want to watch that. Uh, definitely want to watch that. Ayrton Senna someone, you know that you've, I'm sure we've all been familiar with for decades by now. Toa says it's tough to buy any cards this year because they are not, there are not any official ones out. So yeah, he's talking about the new rookies, which he clarifies right here. And Robert Rothenberg says tops. Chrome F1 cards are beautiful and a fun rip. The card prices are crazy in the secondary market. So wait a while. Yeah. Good advice. I mean, that's a box I could see myself picking up because again, you it's like, it's the whole last dance effect, right? You want, what we all know, what Last Dance did, what effect it had on the hobby. You know, there were a few other factors as well, but I think I will never. I don't think anyone doubts that the Last Dance did have an effect on the hobby. And I wonder if this. I mean, let's face it. This F one documentary. There's three seasons of the. There's 30 episodes, I believe, if each season is 10 episodes. I, I know the first season is. I'm going to watch them all, and they're not long. They're not at 60 minutes. They're 38 to 43 minutes usually. They're easy to watch. And they're just fun to watch because they really get inside the sport, not just the drivers, but the whole team, the manager, the operating, the COOs of these racing teams. It's pretty, pretty informative. And and it's the kind of thing that gets you into it. And it get it's got me interested. I never would have been interested in these things if I didn't watch that. The opposite effect of Pokemon TV shows, um, you know. Where, where it's chasing me away from that genre uh, in terms of the, the, the F1 is putting me more onto it. So we'll see if I pick up a card or two in due course. AJ picked up a few Burrow and Herbert rookie cards, cheap on Com C. Don't care how long they take to ship to me because they're for my PC. I just bought two cards on Com C myself the other day. They're both for my PC as well, AJ. And if it takes two years to get to me, that's fine. But I have faith that it'll be quicker than that. And Ryan O'Hara says, if you like the F1 Netflix show, you got to get into the live races. Nice early weekend morning TV. Awesome, Ryan. Thank you very much. Okay. We're at the end of the call. No more comments right now. Thanks, everybody, for those. So, Joe, what else is there on the agenda tonight? So, guys, we don't really have an agenda. So, we're going to be relying on the chat to give us a few topics to discuss. We already talked about the episode we just had with Andy Albert from Indie Card Exchange. We do have another comment that just came in. And I want to mention, did any of you guys, and Joe, even you, did any of you guys watch the episode that we did here on Sunday night, uh, watching the auctions and the the hockey auctions ending on PWCC? If you did, let me know if you enjoyed it, uh, if if there's anything I can do to make those shows better. Because I got to tell you, I'm really enjoying doing them. I find them to be tons of fun and exciting. This last one was a bit tough because the it, the web pages just weren't refre- refreshing fast enough, but I'm going to work on that for next time. Joe did you, did you Yeah, well you were you were on uh the night before. What did you did you watch any of the uh, the watch party, the auction ending watch party?
0: I did. I caught it I caught it on the uh, you know, afterwards and watched some uh some of the you know, unfolding of events. And I think that's, you know, the, the hobby right before your eyes, right? Like that's that's kind of the exciting thing about an auction is it's, it's you, you can't be any more current than what people are doing in the moment, bidding on cards. And I think uh, the hobby is in this perpetual race to kind of, you know, know what's happening right now. And and that's so that's the the cutting edge of it is you know following auctions be they you know PWCC or Golden or you know whatnot so I think it's I think it's a cool opportunity for for us to have community around you know seeing where things close and kind of bring alive that um, you know a, a platform that's that's different than a a card store which was you know what Andy was talking about and that you know I, I that to, to bridge the the connection between that element and sort of the brick and mortar element, I, I do find it very interesting to imagine how, how stores are going to, you know, invigorate the experience of being in a card store when, when you do have content creators and amazing, you know, live auctions. Um, And, and so, you know, the Jordan bar or other, other ideas that bring collectors into an experience that can't be replicated, and and of course we know that it's just better to be with human beings in person. It is, and and so that that's another element. But I, I loved it, Jer. I think it's a great idea. I think you should you know keep on you know looking at what's possible with with that uh, relationship of of analyzing cards and 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 just being curious about what what an auction is going to close for because. It's anybody's guess, right? It's like being a bidder. Like do, do, am I gonna am I guess guess right on this one? Maybe maybe I'll land a, a whale uh for a reasonable price.
1: Yeah, you know, I appreciate it cuz I do like I've said during those shows, I'm sitting there on a on a whatever night of the week it was, it happened to be Sunday in April. I'm sitting there myself looking at watching these auctions end, bidding on the odd one, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm so engrossed in it. I had the idea to do it that one time, and now, now we're just going to make it a monthly thing uh, when they do it. And then they have their premier auction, which is the new uh, PWCC premier auction. They're having the first one, I think it's May 20th. So I'm going to try and I'm going to actually attempt a, a live coverage of that as well. I don't think there's going to be that many lots, so it should be relatively smooth. Uh, however, with the extended bidding, it might not be as action-packed as watching the the time count down but we may still be able to see when new bids are placed. So we'll see how it goes. We're going to take a dry run at it in May, and then we'll do it again in June. Hopefully tweaking it to make it a a bit better. So we'll see. We'll see how those go. But yeah, and I'm seeing some feedback come in guys. So we'll get to that, but I appreciate it because it's just so much fun for me to do them. Uh, And again, I I think we watched too many auctions this last time because they were so close together. And I therefore was not able to bid on cards I wanted, which was a bit of a bummer, but Hey, There's all, as I say, there's always more cards to buy, especially when your interests are pervasive as mine are. So hockey guy says, for what it's worth, a lot of kids that grew up on Pokemon only played the game and watched a few episodes ever and maybe the first movie. Yeah, that's very fair comment. Uh, AJ, as a new viewer, can you tell me who Joe is? Sorry for my ignorance. Yeah, no problem, AJ. Joe is a very close friend of the show, a good friend of mine. And uh, he's in Santa Cruz, California. And uh, when I told him that uh, Brody wasn't going to be able to make it on, he said, "Well, if you need uh, if you need me to come on, I can I can do it." And I said, "Sounds good. Let's let's bring you back." He's been on with me several times uh, on on the After Hours show. It's probably your fifth appearance, sixth time you've been on, probably Joe. And
0: uh, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, love the show. I mean, you know, as as we got into the sort of COVID times, I mean. Jeremy, your your show I think is just like the the fulcrum of of, of hobby personalities, hobby perspectives so this is right where I want to be.
1: Cool man and, and as you can tell AJ Joe is just a pleasure to have on and a very calming presence and an easy guy to to listen to and he's insightful and all those great things so and he's a hobbyist. he's a collector. Fresh Bread says what's the best pre-war non-sport set to pick singles to pick up singles of? I got a couple. There's a couple that that I have singles from, so I'm not going to give you one fresh bread. I'm going to give you a few. Uh, the first, the first one that I bought cards from was the 1952 Tops Look and See set. Uh, they're really cool. They're not full size. I own two cards from that set. It's a bit. It's an. It, the set has over 100 cards. They're all historical figures. There is a Babe Ruth in that set. I think he's the only athlete with a card. But I own the Billy the Kid and the Queen Elizabeth cards. Those are the two that I have in my collection. Um, I also would point you to, so that's historical figures. If you want vin- vintage type of Hollywood and music cards, I would point you to the Swedish hmm, saker S-A-M-L-A-R-S-A-K-E-R. saker the word sandwich is not in there, even though people like to make fun of them. So the Swedish Samler Samlar Saker set, and then the the Dutch gum set and the Dutch gum series were put out from like the early fifties until I would think that either the early seventies or the late sixties, they cover many different subjects, but it's mostly, uh, the ones that I'm looking at, of course, are music and Hollywood type of cards. So I picked up some James Dean, some Marilyn Monroe's, uh, Humphrey Bogart, uh, Steve, I got a Steve McQueen card, um, all that, all those kind, all those kinds of, uh, you know, the legends of the go- of the screen, as well as like Mick Jagger. I have a, a, the the who um, some Elvis cards, that kind of stuff. So I, I would point you to those three sets, but there are more. And then when you go to the pre-war, like into the 30s and 40s, and I don't remember the name of these sets, but uh, I, I wish I could remember them right now. And I will. There's another question that came up being uh, the most recent Auction that, that we've won, Joe, on eBay. So I'm going to quickly go look at my purchase history so that I can answer both those questions. Um, but the historical figures. So here we go. 1924. There's a set called Ogden's Leaders of Men, and they're really cool cards. Uh, I've picked up the Christopher Columbus, the Abraham Lincoln, and the uh, the William Shakespeare. And then from a set called 1930 J. Milhoff in the public eye, I picked up a Charlie Chaplin, which is a really cool looking card. So there you go. There, There's a bit of an assortment to get you started. Fresh bread. Joe, anything to add to that?
0: No, man. You didn't tell me about the Charlie Chaplin. That's good.
1: I'm OK. I can actually show I can show uh, I can share my screen. I'll show you guys the Charlie Chaplin card that I picked up. I hope this is interesting to all of y'all. So give me one second here.
0: As you're pushing that up, the, the thing that comes to my mind, but it is sports, is there's a lot of really good boxing pre-war, you know, sort of in the, the Joe Lewis realm, um, early, early boxers, which is, of course, sports. But it's they were sort of more figureheads in a way. And and anyway. ooh, wow. Look at that. Look at that. Right. That's oh, such a cool looking
1: card yeah dude. I think of, and even the back you
0: know you not. a lot of times dude, the backs I like are blank i'm feeling a little bit like he you know we we usually tell each other when we get a, a good score but charlie chat, wow psa eight yeah and it it wasn't i think i
1: paid well i can show you uh
0: 187
1: dollars to me, it was a no brainer. I mean, it's Charlie Chaplin. It's 19. This is from 1930. It's like a playing days card, you know, like he was performing in that, that time. I just, yeah, I, I, th- I, it's not in hand yet, Joe. That's probably why I haven't told you, but okay. eventually, eventually it will be. So yeah, I, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I can't wait to get it in hand and just, uh just really enjoy, enjoy it. But yeah. So there you go. Fresh bread. Thanks for that question. Always fun to look at some cards that aren't yet in hand. Uh, Jeffrey Hart says, what card is on the top of your current wish list? Let's start with you on that one, Joe. I'm going to go to my watch list and see if something comes to mind.
0: You know, um, I'm, I'm a big Aaron and Mays fan and, and I have most of the big ones. I have an Aaron rookie card. That's an auto, uh, but I kind of want I kind of want a clean Aaron rookie card, maybe just a, a three or a four, something nicely centered with with good you know registration. So I'd say that's kind of what I'm looking for right now.
1: Yeah, and if I take the easy answer for me and you reminded me it's the Willie Mays uh, 51 Bowman rookie card, but I waited so long to find a, a nice a PSA6 that I liked when they were under five figures and now they're well into the five figures. So I probably just won't end up acquiring that card at you this got- point in time.
0: Barry, you gotta move something. You gotta you make make an adjustment, you know, liquidate to, to get into it. I mean, I I've heard you say this for a while. So either you need to like you know I, I don't know. I'm not gonna tell you how to click because you've done quite well for yourself. But um I'm just saying Somewhere along the way, you could you could make a move.
1: I could I could sell some of the cards in my in my trader box, if you will, like these Gretzky rookies. But I have very few cards in my personal collection that I would ever want to sell. You, you know, I, I just I buy cards for my PC, and I, they're PC. they a lot of my cards are. You know, it's funny we talk about the personal collection, but there's another PC that that I think gets very little attention from the hobby. People don't talk about it. The, and the the pc it sounds to, when you talk about a pc being a personal collection it makes me think about cards that you're keeping for the long term but people don't the pc is a fluid collection the other pc to me is the permanent collection the cards within the pc that aren't moving and wow. i feel like i feel like a lot of the cards in my pc are of that nature the permanent collection nature so it's tough for me to just the whole, console, the whole consolidation movement that we've heard about for the last year or so, I understand it, but I never, it never made, it never made sense for me. I've never considered a consolidation move. I would just get more cards and, you know,
0: just, well, you know. You're, you're operating from a, a floor that is not a floor. It's a roof because you've you've been at it so long and you've made really wise decisions and you've, you know, had foresight. So it makes sense to me that, you know, there's a permanent collection within the PC that's pretty pretty much like not going away anytime soon. So I I respect that. On Clubhouse a couple of
1: nights ago, we were playing topic roulette. And what that is, is everybody picks a topic and then we kind of go around in order and answer that question or address the topic. And the question that came up was, if you had to sell your whole collection, except for one card, what mm. card would you keep? And I hate that question because I I have I have five hundred cards that I would that, that could be answered and that that I could answer and that that could be the answer to that question. How do I I can't narrow it down to one card. So you know I say I I gave it, and I said my Jackie Robinson rookie because it's probably my most valuable card right now according to Card Ladder. And you know it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
0: that's what I said. But yeah. I don't know what what it will be is that the leaf jackie the uh yeah
1: it's my most valuable but i also love it it's you know the story of when i got it i got into it really good compared to now it's the historical significance the overall eye appeal the beauty of the card the the athlete himself what he meant to culture and society i love that card i i would, would probably be the last I, I mean, I should say a Wayne Gretzky rookie, but I can go buy a Wayne Gretzky rookie. All that there's so many of them out there. Anytime you want, Jackie Robinsons are tougher to come by. So,
0: and that's, I mean, you know, just listening to, to to the Chris and Josh and Christina last night. I mean, they they just make this point again and again, and it's it's a point worth making again and again. Any card that you can just go out and buy at any given moment is not something to me, that is really in that league that you're talking about, like that you would even consider is like, okay, you know, it probably comes down to like 30 cards, 20 cards, 10 cards. And now you're thinking about the Jackie and the, you know, Ted Williams, or, you know, who knows what. Um, And, and I think that's just a, a great way to continue to think about your acquisitions, your, your priorities, you know, what, what is, what is out there that, just isn't available very often, and you know, planet. You know the, the the precious metals that we've been discussing with both regards to to the hockey world, but of course the basketball world, all of that. I mean, that's that's where I think ultimately the collector's interest is going to attend to, and for good reason. Agreed. Agree, man. I agree. The rarity rules all. I believe.
1: Okay. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, let's go to Dennis's comment here. I love the auction watch. Great way to kill some time. Happy to have you kill it with me, Dennis, for sure. Jeremy Prinkle loves the auction shows. Awesome feedback. Adam Holgate, your enthusiasm watching the PWCC auctions has rekindled my interest in hockey cards. Sorry you missed the Solani. Yeah, I missed the, uh, the Flair Showcase Row 2 1 of 1 Masterpiece. Yes, I would have. I would. I probably would have won that card. It went for like under two hundred. My high bid probably would have been like seven seventy seven or something like that. I, I'm. Who knows? If I would have won it for sure. But I, I definitely would have given the, the 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 ultimate winner of that card to run for their money. Card collector says I've been a Buffalo Bills fan since 1989, and I love that you're on the Josh Allen train. He's the top guy I'm collecting for my PC right now. Let's hope he can get my Bills a Super Bowl. Here, here. Card collector eighty two. I'm with you on that. Here, let's. Hope for that. Jeffrey Hart, what was your most recent auction purchase? So mine isn't that exciting, actually. Uh, I'm looking right now, and my most recent auction purchase was a 2005-06 Upper Deck the Cup Base Card Patch Parallel Out of 10 Mike Bossy. That's the most
0: recent auction win that I've had. Joe, how about you? I'm kind of in a selling mode right now. I'm I've picked up a few little, just fun to rip, you know, prism and and select basketball and football. But yeah, I, I've been more selling and just kind of trying to. Uh, I think the biggest uh, recent purchase for me, I got a a Kobe a Kobe PSA eight black refractor. I think it was 2005. Beautiful card and um, yeah. Uh, numbered out of like three ninety nine, I think. So yeah, Kobe, Kobe Black Refractor.
1: You showed me that card uh, when we were doing a fa- uh, FaceTime the other day. Really cool looking card. Really cool card. You also showed that Kevin Garnett card, uh, the auto jersey that you picked that you picked up. That's a really cool looking card as well. I think you actually showed that on the episode last week. Um, I'm gonna here. I'm just bringing up a couple more cards that I recently. When I'm I've got these windows open, they're they're coming through slow. But I'm wanna, I'll show you guys a couple of other cards that I've picked up. Again, it's of the non-sport variety, so I hope you find it interesting. If you don't, well, you know, give a thumbs down on this video. No, I'm kidding. Don't give a thumbs down. Don't give a thumbs down. Give a thumbs up on the video, guys. Give a thumbs up. Um, so here, let's let's bring up a couple of these. I'm going to show four more of these cards. They're all pre-war. And they're all non-sport, but they're in that category of historical figures, which I think is just super, I don't know, to me, they're important. They're, They're important cards. So here we go. There we go. This is the first one. This is the 1924 Ogden's Leaders of Men, Christopher Columbus. Again, just a card I think is pretty cool i don't know i just think christopher columbus is obviously a, an important historical figure so we'll start with that one the next one is the abraham lincoln also p i mean psa 8 from 1924 it doesn't surprise me these these aren't cards i i wouldn't think these cards were collected by kids as much as by adult collectors back in the day so the fact that they're in decent shape doesn't uh does doesn't surprise me here's the william shakespeare again kind of all over the map in terms of who these guys were but really important historical figures and the final one is this um Walt Disney which 1936 mm. 19, 1936 like the early days of when when Mickey Mouse looked like he was dr- writ, dr- drawn in pencil you know like so anyway
0: i'll show you guys those cards you know jeremy one of the things with these non sports trading cards that you know i think we've we've discussed in the past is getting ones that were contemporary to their lives while they were still alive, while they were, you know, actually people. And I, I don't know the like Walt Disney. I mean, certainly I, I don't think that Shakespeare card was from, you know, 1596, but no. um, the, the, the Walt Disney or, you know, the Charlie Chaplin like getting something that's contemporary to the moment that the the historical figure is emerging in in popular culture, I think is a really, uh, a, you know, a nice thing to have in terms of a collectible.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I agree, I agree. There's some, you know, there's uh Yamwax on Instagram. He's always uh he's famous for identifying the first cardboard representation of some real some historical figures, whether it be jennifer lopez or bill gates you know it's really cool and as a collector of cardboard not just sports cards it appeals to me and uh you know it, it's good to see there's that tops did the american pie set uh product in i think 2011 you have first cardboard appearances by many important culture you know pop culture uh people so I think, you know, there's some cool stuff there. And those boxes, ever since Yamwax identified those on Instagram, those wax boxes went from like $150 to $500. So
0: in the latest uh, Beckett basketball, they have uh, the, the Jay-Z auto card sale like featured, which, you know, kind of make, I mean, where are you going to put Jay-Z? I guess you're going to put him in the basketball Beckett, but there's, I, it's, it's not, it's not just the past, right? It's, it's stuff that I think is moving into the future and will be interesting to see, what card companies do with, you know, really important uh, cultural icons.
1: Yeah. I think there's a, there's something there. I hope that they start to do more of it because for some collectors like myself, who've kind of like, I when you're at it for so long and you don't sell much, you, your collection becomes quite broad. And I know, I'm, I, I know that I'm in a the fortunate position of having a pretty expansive collection, but there must be others like me out there. So when when you run out of things that you need to round out your collection, you start looking elsewhere like I have with these music, Hollywood, historical figure cards. Okay, let's keep on going. Billy says, how, sorry, what, how would you go about selling a card collection, lot sale to capture best value, regardless of how much value may or may not, does it matter and why? How would you go about selling it? There's so many different ways to answer that question, Billy. It really is going to depend on a couple of things. Number one, what caliber of cards are they? Are they you have a bunch of one dollar cards, a bunch of ten dollar cards, hundred thousand, ten thousand dollar cards? The other question is, how much work do you want to do yourself? Um, and you know, how quick do you need the money, or do you want the money? So a um, little bit more context, and uh, and I can go in deeper into that. But we need more context, otherwise that could take a day to answer. But it's a great question. Eric Perry, any thoughts about SGC developing a new overlapping tamper-free holder? Does it matter or will they still more or less be irrelevant for post-war cards? Eric, I am not familiar with this overlapping tamper-free holder, so can't really answer. Um, I don't know that they'll still be irrelevant for post-war cards, but... I will just say that for any grading company to take a chunk out of the market, out of the pie that is dominated by PSA and Beckett Grading Services, um, you know, you're going to something's going to have to happen. And I don't know what that is. Is it a overlapping tamper free holder? Maybe. But um, sorry, I, ju- I just don't have many more comments on that. Joe, anything to add?
0: No. no.
1: <laughs> okay. Chris Kissel. In 2019, I rejoined the hobby and started by collecting Browns and Phoenix Suns basketball cards. In there, I started to think as an investor. Do you ever get caught between collecting and investing? Chris, that is a very, very appropriate question right now for everyone in the hobby because, yes, we're all getting, I think a lot of us, I won't say we all, because some people some people truly don't care about the value of their cards. I find it hard to believe that, that they truly don't, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And so, yes, I know we do get we do get caught in that dichot- the collector investor dichotomy. You know, a lot of, a lot of us have been collecting our whole lives, and we've become investors just by consequence. Your car- a card that you bought for fifty dollars is now worth five hundred or five thousand. That's a chunk of money, and you're almost an investor even if you don't want to be, even if you th- say you're not. You are if you have. If you have significant money, whatever significant is to you, tied up in cardboard, that is a chunk of your net worth. That is a portion of your net worth, whether it's one percent or ninety-nine percent. And that, may, to me, that makes you an investor, even if you don't look at it that way. If you don't have an estate, if you don't have kids, if you have no one to pass it on to. Maybe it doesn't matter. You know, you die, and whatever happens to your collection happens. But if you have, if you have a family that you want to pass your cards on to not even a family anybody who you designate as an as as the the um, recipient of your eventual collection upon your eventual demise you might want to you might want you might think about it as from the perspective of I want them to benefit as much as they can financially in the event they don't want the cards themselves so again yes the money we spend on cards now I think you have to consider the investment perspective uh, aspect of them, uh, but there are cards that you can also buy just to collect for fun. So really depends on on how much money is
0: significant to you. Joe, anything to add? The word the word that catches my eye is caught, and 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 I have been caught from time to time doing something that's a little more, investory. And it doesn't mean that I'm not investing. I am investing. I agree with everything you said, Jeremy. But I think sometimes if I if I take just a a step or two in the direction of investing uh, too too far, I can regret it. And 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 that's what I think Chris is maybe you know getting at with with the word caught between collecting and investing. I'd rather be a collector. I've always been a collector. I do invest. It's all investment, of course. It's investment. But um, occasionally I'll you know uh, make decisions that are more investment than collecting. And generally speaking, I, I prefer the ones that are more grounded in collecting.
1: Same here. Well said. And the thing, I, I think that's more uh, in the spirit of the question than, when, than what I went off on. So thanks, Joe. And I agree completely with what you said. I also enjoy the cards. Uh, I mean, I buy cards sometimes that I collect, but I also buy them thinking that they are a good investment, and when you can satisfy both of those buckets in one purchase, I think you're you're making the best decisions for you, for yourself. So, yeah, okay, great. Um, Bobby Burrell just wants to throw there that Joe is the man, and I'm not going to disagree with that at all. Tracy Shamer won't disagree either. but Bo- Bobby's the man. Bobby's Bobby's the man. the man. Bobby's the man for sure. Valentini says Joe's got a big following here. He knows his card stuff for sure he does. Criminal Mind says, do auctions indicate the true value of a card or is it the buy it now? It's a really good question. And I'm going to say that um, I don't think either of them really indicate the true value of a card. They provide what's called a comp, but a comp is not the true value of a card. If I'm trying to assess the true value of a card, you have to look at Two kinds of cards differently. One are highly liquid cards, and the other is super rare cards. When it comes to super rare cards, I think we're more likely. Rel- oh gosh, I don't know. I gotta think about this for a second. When you're looking at super rare cards, the comps are very important because we don't get them very often. So they're the best indication of what the next copy of that card is going to sell for. But they're not, I'm not saying that if a card sells for a hundred thousand dollars. That the next copy is going to sell for 100,000. What I'm saying is that you have to also dig into the bid history of that auction and see how many people bid a lot on it. So if it's a hundred thousand dollar, if it sells for a hundred thousand, how many people bid 80 or more? Or how many people bid 75 or more thousand dollars? Were there five people willing to pay up to 75 grand for that card? And then there's a significant drop off where the next bid was 25,000. You have to look into the bid history. That's what I feel I like to do. If there's five people that were willing to pay over eighty thousand dollars for a card that eventually sold for hundred thousand, I'm going to feel that there's good support that that card is worth at least eighty thousand dollars, somewhere between eighty and a hundred. That's how I would look at it. When you talk about a very liquid card, a card that's you know a commodity card that sells several times a week like a Michael Jordan rookie card, like a Luca Prism rookie card, uh, Sidney Crosby, Young Guns, any a uh, Wayne Gretzky rookie card, any of those cards that sell all the time. Now you're not going to look at just, you're going to look at the auctions and the buy it nows, and you're going to take an average of those over the last certain amount of time that you feel is appropriate. So it's not a simple an it's not as simple of an answer uh as to just buy it now or auctions you need to look at the whole yeah, i was i want to say body of work of that card on the market
0: over the over a certain amount of time joe any i mean i i i think most of the big ticket cards these days are going in auctions and it seems like you know with with some of the new developments of how auctions are handled with this, like after bidding and kind of like it continues to go on a little longer than just, you know, an eBay auction, which is finite. I, I think, um, I think that if if there is a, a dialectic between the buy it now and the auction, I think it's, I think the gap is closing. So, you know, um, it's all, it it all depends. It all depends on so many things. Like you said, right on. Okay. I'm just scanning some comments. We're going to, there's a few there that are just
1: sort of commentary. So we're going to skip over to Lindsay Jameson's comment. She says music and Hollywood cards make excellent presents for that 40th birthday. Someone who has everything already by their favorite athlete or musician, Charlie Chaplin for the movie buff. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I agree completely, you know, if completely when it comes to buying presents. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Uh, Valentini says, I was wondering if you guys heard about Yaramur Yager still playing hockey at 49 years old. He said he still loves it playing and is not planning to call it quits. Jeremy, were you able to see him play in Calgary? I was Valentini. I did see him play live here in Calgary while he was here a few years ago. And what a thrill that was. He's an absolute legend. And yes, he's still playing, which is which is great. I mean, he's like if you were to if you're to take do an analogy between a collector and an athlete, where you know some collectors collect for collecting, some collect for investing, some athletes play for the love of the game. Most also play for the money because it's obviously they're 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 playing for the money as a consequence because they can, they can make so much money. But Jagger is he seems to play because he loves the game. Which is awesome. I think a lot of these guys do
0: love the game, but not all of them. Not all of them love the game. I've got a hockey question. Just, sure. just because it, it's been a little bit in the news down here in Northern California, uh, San Jose. The the uh, Patrick Marlowe um, played in, I guess, the m- most consecutive or the most seasons. I don't know. And most it's games. impressive to me. Do you do you want to speak to that? Was that a significant record in the realm of hockey? It is, man. It, it, for sure, it is. He. He has the most games
1: played in the NHL of all time, overtaking Gordy Howe. So there's not a lot of Gordy Howe, Wayne Gretzky records that are going to fall, right? But this one did, and it's pretty amazing that that he did it. It just speaks to his endurance, his longevity, his his uh, attention to to uh, his health, nutrition, taking care of his body. I mean it's very rare. I mean, we see injuries all the time. People, you know, I don't know what the average career length is in hockey, but it's probably in that somewhere in that like five to six year range. And he's been in the league for 20. What is it? He started in, I think 96, 97, 25 years in the NHL being able to avoid inj- significant injuries all that time. That, that just, I don't know what, what to say about it. It's pretty amazing. It is significant. Now, it's not an offensive record. It's not, he's not a, he's not a 400 win goaltender. You know, he's not one of the best offensive. He's, he's not an A level star. He's not even a B level star. Mm. He's probably in that C level. If, if there, you know, so Mm. take nothing away from him. Is it, is he a hall of famer? I mean, I'd probably say no, except for this record might get him there because it's, it's that, I think it's that big of a deal. So, but it is, it's, it's, it's great. And it happens in, uh, in San Jose, which is pretty cool. Lunch pail and hard hat. Sounds like <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, man. Yep. Yeah. AJ 15 heading to bed. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, sent me a message. We'll get you your hat from a uh, Indy card exchange. That's great. Valentini says he's growing a jager mall these days. Is he still waiting for the post COVID haircut? Hilarious, hilarious. Gizmo says McDavid has a great shot to crack hundred points needs 13 points in eight games. Crazy. If it happens in a 56 game season, it is crazy. If it happens, but if anyone can do it, it is him. He can, he can, he had two points tonight, at least two points. When I saw that they were beating when the Oilers were beating the flames two nothing, uh, they ended four to one. I'm going to quickly check in and see how many points he had. And he ended up with, it looks like two, Oh, three three points so yeah he's gonna he's probably gonna get there I hope he does even though he's plays for our biggest rival the Oilers but I would like to see it happen fresh bread picked up a few look and see cards to go along with autographs he has of King Edward the eighth and Admiral Burr that's really cool Steve Larson bought an 03 LeBron PSA 10 refractor a few years ago for 500 bucks do you think LeBron refractor PSA10s are old I do I have the same card, Steve I paid I paid 560 I think for mine so yeah I'm holding it I'm not selling that. And, you know, we've seen that card hit like $40,000 as of late. It's now down to like that $25,000 level. We've Since we've seen it hit 40 or 45 even, we know how much people are willing to pay for that card. Not today, but at some time again, I can definitely see it happening. And, you know, just because some cards have come down in value from their all-time highs in, in February doesn't mean that they're not going to go back up again. I guarantee you they will. That's a guarantee I'm willing to make here live forever archived on this YouTube channel. Cards will go up again, I promise you all that. Greg Kissel says, I wish I thought like an investor a little bit earlier, but I've liked both, very fair. Tracy Shamer says that Joe is so knowledgeable. She's crushing on you hard, Joe. Gizmo says, none of us will ever own a card. We basically are renting them until they are passed on to someone else, whether we sell, trade, or leave them behind after we pass on ourselves. So true, right? So true. We are we are just we are just holding on to them in the meantime. Very well said, hockey guy. Question for both of us: Do either of you remember when top loaders were introduced and how they were marketed? I, I do remember. I remember wishing there was something like them uh, and how they were marketed. Just at the card shops, nothing nothing fancy. I don't remember anything fancy about them being marketed, except that it's like, whoa, those are awesome. I need those for my cards. And I remember. Go ahead, Joe.
0: Well, what we used to do is is cut out the the pages, right? The nine sleeved pages, and those would be the card holders. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to say like maybe, like mid to late eighties, something like there. There were there might it took a little bit, but yeah, I mean, uh, certainly it it, it was uh, a long time coming, and uh, you know you had you had the the 55s and 54s that were larger and you had to be careful putting those into sleeves like the whole the whole shebang.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember the. I remember the first time I saw penny sleeves and like they were so great when they went for that first bag I bought. I, I absolutely loved them. The Toa Hang says, as with any purchase in this hobby now, I think you have to be conscious of what and why you're making the purchase. Neither is wrong, but be thoughtful of your purchase. Very good advice. Steve Larson's recently started investing in LeBron bubble game cards, mostly Panini Instant one of ones. Do you think this is a good investment long term? Uh, bubble game cards. So, oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, to be honest, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I could be so wrong on this, but I don't think the. I'm all about pack pulled cards for my personal collection, so that's why I say I don't. I I think the pack pulled is. But this could be old man talk a few years from now. So I don't want to say it isn't Steve, but I'm not buying them. I don't, they don't appeal to me. And for those reasons, I don't, they're not, I'll put it to you this way they're not good long term investments for me, but I might be missing out.
0: You know, Jeremy, this brings up for me, it's a completely oblique reference to this question, but it, it sparks the question in my mind. Um, Dustin, you know, uh, the, 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 personal finance dad, uh, did a nice, you know, drop, I guess it was today, um, on, you know, NFTs and things taking away from asset, uh, uh you know, money going into sports card hobby. And that, that's an interesting conversation, right? Like how much of these alternative investments I, I'm not really talking about bubble game cards at this point, but I'm talking about things that might not be considered traditional um, assets that are now starting to, you know, non-fudgeable tokens, et cetera, et cetera. What's your thoughts on uh, the diversification of of money going into different things versus like the overall, uh, you know, boosting of the hobby?
1: I mean, money going into NFTs doesn't bother me. I think I, I mean, I'm not, I I don't even like talking about NFTs anymore because they're just so abstract. They're not, they're not cards. Um, As Andy said on the earlier show, maybe NFTs will bring more people towards sports cards. Maybe people who made money on Top Shot, if they got their money out of there, will use those profits and buy sports cards. I'm going to look at that glass half full type of thing. I I just, I mean, I don't know. I bought one pack of top shot. I still haven't opened it. And I, I log into that site once a month to make sure that it, that it still exists. Like, it's not that I think it's going to fail. It probably won't, but it's just not cards to me. It's like, to me talking about collecting NFTs at this point to a card guy is the same thing as talking about collecting sports, like cars, vehicles or bicycles or something like that it's just totally different to me it's not the same thing i heard someone refer to an nft as a rookie card a a couple months ago i thought boy oh boy like that how 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 inaccurate is that kind of comment so but you know people buying into video games buying into comic books other nostalgic tangible collectibles i have no problem with i think it's awesome i think it's cool I, i love all that stuff so yeah okay carrying on uh, Colin says, for getting the value, I look at seller's feedback score and if a buyer buys it or a seller buys it. Okay. So looking at really the, the, uh, legitimacy of the auction itself. So and when, when I'm answering the question, I'm assuming legitimate auctions, right? I'm assuming that when, especially on the commodity cards that are sold so much, you know, the, the majority of them are going to be legitimate. They have for, I would think, Uh, Dave Kaplan says, I always think of an auction as a better comp than a buy it now because someone paying, I don't understand the last part, but auctions, the thing about auctions though, is that people get carried away. They get competitive and, you know, they often, people often regret what they pay at auctions because they got carried away in in the excitement. So I don't know that I completely agree, Dave, but I don't disagree either because on a commodity type of card, you're going to get a nice kind of average representation of what it's worth over a bunch of data points over a certain amount of time. Chris Kissel says, aside from rookie patch auto, it feels like game use bats, gloves, relic cards do not have a ton of value or catch the imagination. Any thoughts? Why? Uh, For me, they're just not as pretty patches have more colors. Usually I, most of them nice ones do, and it's just come down to the, the equity of the patch. There's more of them out there. Uh, You don't see rookie patch bats. You don't see rookie patch gloves. So maybe maybe that's why that's what all I can come up with. Joe any any thoughts on that?
0: <clears throat> I think there's, you know, something unique that catches people's eye will will have a premium. Everything else is a little bit like eh
1: McKee almost sometimes and i think they're cool cards you know in hockey we have property ofs in, in upper deck the cup where they take the name right off the stick the player's name off their hockey stick and they put it in a card they're awesome but they're usually one of ones you're not going to find 99 of them you know a, a, a card with serial numbered to 99 so uh fresh bread lets us reminds us that Marlow patrick Marlow outlasted a few nhl franchises that's right the atlanta thrashers came into the league after patrick Marlow did and left the league before he did, so that's pretty crazy. Hockey guy says part Marlow has 566 career goals and almost 1,200 points. Now current now at 1,197 points. I mean that's a lot of points, but it's not a lot of points per game. You know he's he's no he's no superstar. He's he's a semi star in my opinion, but maybe 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 not. Chris Dworneck says many people aren't too pleased with him breaking Howe's record. Wait, wanting to respect Howe's legacy. I say two bad for them patrick marlowe has every right in the world to break that record and if anybody isn't happy with him for doing it cry me a river that's all i'll say to that rock latex buy it now sell for a slight premium over auctions on high volume cards buyers will pay the small premium to secure that card usually no more than 10 percent. that's great insight if, it, if it's true and i'm not doubting you rock latex but you know with some some sort of professional skepticism i say that that's a, that's great insight uh, yeah, here we go. Rich says, uh, that seems a bit ridiculous. Records were made for breaking. Yeah, I'm a, I'm of the same mindset as you, Rich. Colin Murray says, this is Jagger's 34th pro season. That is absolutely crazy. Gordie Howe played for 33 years. That's crazy too. And some might say that Gordie Howe played for so many years, just so he could, he could play with his sons. So Why did he have to play into his 50s? Like, you know, nothing against Gordie Howe. I
0: have mad respect for the man for sure. Or people like What's that? Or people in their 50s. Yeah, exactly. Jeffrey Hart, uh,
1: great having you tonight, buddy. Thank you for joining. Criminal Mind says, after one full year back in the hobby, I've completely changed my approach to collecting. I now only collect rare modern day inserts such as Kabooms, Colorblast. Is this a smart move? Yes. I completely think that is a smart move, Criminal Mind uh, very astute for someone who's only been back in the year for in the hobby for one full year. You have my support on that decision. That's basically I've been back in the hobby for about forty full years now, and that's what I'm into as well. So I completely agree with that approach. Colin Murray says Marlowe in the Hall of Fame, easy twelve hundred point guy, five six six goals, Ironman streak. Played for the Leafs. <laughs> played for the Leafs. Yeah, that might be the most important one there. Next to the Ironman streak, the goals and the points don't impress me with him. Too many games, but still, playing for the Leafs is important. Unfortunately, for not unfortunate, just you know, it's like unfair almost. But the Iron Man streak, I-, I think, is very important. Dave Kaplan says people tend to may pay for pay more for bins because they want it now. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. And that, that you know, secure the card, lock it up, definitely.
0: Well, there's 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 things too with the buy it now. It allows you to kind of do a little research and actually kind of assess you know, what you see out there with other cards and, and to not know the thing that always strikes me is that when people, you know, maybe, maybe I'm selling a card in eBay and they say, you know, this card sold for, you know, $215 in an auction. And I'm like, well, who knows what that person actually bid? You know, like that, right. that was the closing price, but exactly. there, there could be more data there to, to beat that person. Like, and they're asking you to sell it to them for $215. And it's like, that person could have bid 350 for all we know.
1: Exactly. It reminds me of the, from the PWCC watch party, uh, on Sunday and the PMG green, uh, Sidney Crosby, the sold for 19,100. The guy who won that auction, I was chatting with him later that night on clubhouse. And You know, we were talking about it and then all of a sudden someone unmutes themselves. He goes, I bought it like, oh, really? You're the one that bought it. It was so exciting to meet, to know the person who bought it and his high bid was higher than what he won it for. So, you know, I've won lots of cards for well less than my max bid. So what's the true value of the card? Maybe, maybe it isn't the underbidder, the underbidder's bid. Maybe it's not the winner's bid. Maybe it's more because the winner was willing to pay more, but that winner now has that. So they're now out of the market. Maybe it is. So back to, I'm I'm coming full circle back to the, that should be the underbidder being a better indication. But our, as our, Colin yeah. says,
0: I mean, sorry. that's I just, I just want to highlight what you just said there. That buyer is now out of the market. That's that's kind of a fascinating thing to think about. They may or may not be out of the market, depending on who they are, but Like it's, it's, that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, no,
1: you're right. They may not be out of the market, but oftentimes they are right. Because you get the card you want. So, all right. Uh, Colin Murray says the average, average of the last three to four auctions for the comp in terms of assessing a value. Sure. Now, if those three to four auctions all happen in one day, I might want to expand the, I might want to expand the data set. But if that's over a couple of weeks, then I completely agree. Bust and Breaks, this is not Brody. Brody was unable to join uh, earlier this morning, so he will be coming on a little bit later. It is definitely not past Joe Perot's bedtime, though. Hockey Guy says, I don't think Marlo's a Hall of Famer after watching him play many years. Guy was never a true star. I agree. Ed Seat, game-use cards does not carry much value because they are too common unless it's a unique low-numbered card. Fair enough. Dave Kaplan says, people also may buy Buy It Nows with imperfect information, therefore creating artificially high comps for cards with over market asking prices. Very, very important and astute comment that happens all the time, especially with new entrants in the hobby. Just people put out these phishing prices and they sometimes get them. So very glad Dave threw that out there. Really important to know. And it just speaks to not all comps are... I'm not saying they're not legitimate. They're, these are still legitimate transactions, but they're they're just not reliable comps. To, they're not reliable comps. I'll leave it at that. Jordan Riker, initial takeaways after watching three episodes of Drive to Survive. Um, initial takeaways, I want to watch more of it. And number two, it's hard to watch when my wife is sleeping beside me because it's so loud when the cars are racing versus when they're talking. So you got to watch it during the daytime or without anybody in the room with you who's sleeping. Those are my takeaways from watching that. Jordan Uh, Valentini says, I have a friend of ours is buying up all the Ovechkin rookies you can find. He believes that Ovechkin will pass Gretzky's record for most goals ever. What your, what is yours and Joe's opinion on this? I think it's just not, not a bad move by your friend. I don't think he's going to get there though. I don't think he's going to get there. He needs like, what's like 150 goals or something like that. Still, that's probably five more seasons. I don't know. I'm skeptical, but I hear people saying they think he's gonna do it. So I don't know. Joe, do you have do you have a take on this?
0: Gretzky. That's my take.
1: Gretzky. Valentini does not think he will do it and leave Gretzky in the history books for eternity. I, I don't I don't think he'll get there either. He's even hurt like right now, Ovechkin's hurt. Like he's gonna have he's gonna have injuries. He's no spring chicken anymore. I don't see it happening. But I hope, I want him to, I want him to break Gretzky's record. I think it would be awesome, and I think Wayne Gretzky would love it as well. All right, Gizmo says, auctions on eBay in particular always seem to sell below actual price a card should sell for. I feel it's because people at the moment in time aren't looking for that particular card. That'll be the case with some cards, uh, Gizmo Greg. But I think the auctions are really, unless they're poorly titled, they're ending at bad times it depends which auction in particular you're watching and of course some cards it really is a matter of having the buyer looking for that card at the right time cards that are just not you know on everybody's watch list like that are not commodity cards but more niche collector cards so that that comment applies to some but not to others i would say
0: as they say timing is everything
1: Uh, exactly exactly zed what is up with you great to have you homie Criminal Minds says, "Buy it now, is Eliminate the shill bidding aspect. Yeah, fair enough. I, I don't, you know, shill bidding happens 100, but I don't. It's not on every auction, like you know, it's just, it's just, it just isn't. I know, I know, so many honest sellers out there who don't shill bid. So, I, I, you know, and in the event that you are bidding on a card that is shill bid, it's part of the it's part of the landscape of the hobby. It's going to happen, and you just have to understand it. If you can avoid it, great. But if there's a card you want, and someone is shilling it. Well, you got to decide if you still want to buy it or not.
0: I'm pretty sure I've won some auctions that were shill bid, and am happy that I did. Strangely,
1: yeah, right. Because that was probably a couple of years, a year or two years ago. When it now you're way ahead. It's like if you're avoiding auctions because you're skeptical that the auction might be shilled. You really have to ask yourself, how rare is the card? How badly do you want it? Um, Sometimes, I mean, I've kind of looked at it as a way, let's say you have a seller selling a card and they are shilling their own auction. In a way, what they're doing, and I don't agree with, please don't twist my words, anybody, and say that I think this is okay to do. I do not agree with shill bidding. I think it is bad. But what that seller is doing effectively is putting a reserve on their auction. That's really what the effective result is of it. They're putting a reserve on their auction. So you have to decide and putting reserves on auctions are, is something that's happened in the, in the world of auctions for decades and decades. Not all of them, but that, you know, uh, reserves on eBay allows you to do that formally. So the argument is, well, put a reserve on it. Well, sure, but, you know, then they're not being sneaky, which is what they're trying to be. So, um, and misleading and all that. But to me, if you're going to put a reserve on your auction by shilling it, and that's still a card I need, I'm probably unaware you're doing this, and if that's the case, I bid what I was willing to pay. End of story, and uh, and if you got me, you got me. I'm gonna get on to the next thing. I'm not gonna waste my energy or my emotion trying to uh, trying to ruin you over it.
0: And just one one little extra point to that, Jeremy, is I, I'm sure you've probably had this experience too, where you have won an auction, and the seller decided not to sell, not to send it, like. Something happened. I I don't have the card. It it got lost in the hotel room or something. So I mean, I guess the point I'm saying is, ultimately, no transaction can happen if two people aren't willing for the transaction to happen. And that's that's even within the eBay rules. Like, yeah, somebody might take the hit for, you know, a a a non-paying bidder, or oppositely, like a transaction. You know, seller. You know faux pas but the the bottom line is when you get into certain cards like that doesn't even matter so you need two people that want to complete the auction unless you're going through these other auction sites where it sounds like it's it's a little bit more like serious yeah
1: but yeah even yeah i think i think yeah even if you're looking at the consignment sellers you know they they the, their consigners are the ones that are shilling the auction, so you still don't have two people that want to get the deal done right at certain price points. Uh, Criminal Mind says down here, everybody, sh- everybody shill bids because they have that same card and want to see that card sell for the highest price. So that's not shill bidding; that's simply bidding. I I do that. I bid on cards that are for sale on eBay. I I, I don't do it a lot, but I have bid on cards that are for sale on eBay by other sellers because I own that card and I want it I want it to sell for more. But I do that knowing that if I win that card, I'm gonna pay for it, take ownership of it, and I'm happy to do so. So it's, it's a couple of things. Number one, I'm willing to buy the card, I'm, I'm gonna pay for it, buy it, own another copy of it, which I've done before. I don't see anything wrong with that. It's a legitimate bid and I'm gonna honor the contract. If I honor the contract, that's fair. And now I'm gonna own that card. And whether I'm stuck with it or not, however you look at it, it's as Peter Chow writes right here. That's not shill bidding. That's price protection. And it is. And um, you know, it to me, I don't say anything wrong with it. Cause I'm going to, if you pay for the card now, if you're bidding and then you don't pay, that's BS, but I would never do that. So anyway, and I, and I know it's a common, it's a common thing that people do. And again, I don't have an issue with it. And as, a, as, 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 Criminal Mind says, you know, a lot of people who also own that card are happy to see that happen. They know that there's people out there put, putting out price protection bids. So, okay, keeping on going. Uh, Colin says that uh, Ovi will do it. He will play till he beats it, like he's Jagger. Okay, very. He very well could be. Very well could be. Steve Larson said it's getting harder and harder to find good cards on eBay these days. Fair enough. Jordan Riker, the downside to listing by now as a seller is you may get your price in two hours, two days, two weeks, two months with an auction. You can sell it in days and reinvest. Yeah, it really depends what your timeline is. hundred percent, hundred percent. Ed Seat says it would be nice if eBay still let you see the best offers directly on eBay. I so agree with that. So agree. Colin Murray says PWCC flash auctions are great buys because buyers are not prepared. Good point. You might get some good deals on the PWCC flash auctions. And Riker asks, what does he mean? We'll see if uh, we'll see if Colin answers it below. Uh, Toa says you can always contact the seller on a bin to offer. That's very true. Colin Murray, three day auction over the weekend. I'm at the cottage. Don't know about it. Yeah, good. Good reason why buyers are not prepared. Peter Chow, we did that. That's no, it isn't criminal mind. You're don't forget, you're only back in the hobby for one year. I don't think you are fully uh, educated on what shill bidding is. If you think it is, you're just wrong. Uh, yeah, of course you disagree, Rich, because you understand how the hobby works. Jordan Riker says, Jeremy and Joe, willing to share some of your more recent eBay purchases? I did already tonight, Jordan, so I'm not going to go through it any- again.
0: Uh, Joe, do you have any? You know, guilty, <laughs> guilty pleasures. Uh, I got a a, a a, blaster box of prison because I'm not camping out for 24 hours in front of Target and a blaster box of select. That's not my normal go-to, everybody. I'm more of a vintage guy, but an occasional rip, it's fun.
1: For sure, for sure. I just, back to Criminal Mind, I'm going to explain to you what shill bidding is because I don't think you understand it, Criminal Mind. So what shill bidding is, it's when you own a card, you take that card, you list it for sale on eBay, and then you bid on that auction or you have a friend bid for you. That is shill bidding. When you bid on another card that you're going to buy, if you win it, sold by somebody else, that's just not shill bidding. That's that's, that's the way the system is built. And um, I hope that clears it up for you. If it doesn't, um, well, it must clear it up for you. Otherwise, I can't help you, buddy, but I hope it does.
0: Yeah, I mean, the important thing there to me, Jeremy, is that you're willing to pay. If you're willing yeah. to pay, it's not shill b- bidding.
1: You're going to pay. Not only are you willing to, you're going to pay. For example, for example,
0: I have this card here.
1: This is my PMG Green, Sidney Crosby. This card sold on eBay last Sunday. And I saw the auction. It was when I looked at it before I went live. It was, I don't know, it's called three or $4,000. I thought to myself, that's got to be a $5,000 card. I want it to be a $5,000 card. So I was prepared to bid $5,000 on that card in order to see the value be at 5,000. And if I win it, great. I now have two of the 10 copies. I'm in a better position to really set the value of that card anyway. Well, I, I didn't even get a bid and it ended up selling for $19,100. But by me bidding on that card, because I wanted, I didn't want to sell for 3,000, I wanted to see it. It's, there's only 10 of them. I wanted to help the value of this card because I own it. I would have bought it. I would have paid, sent the money, paid it, and had two copies in my collection. That just is not shill bidding. And you own it because you
0: like it. I love it. I don't just like it. I love this card. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's it's is that crazy. A four of ten? I believe.
1: Uh, this is the 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 Gretzky is. The, I have the Gretzky four of ten. This is the four of ten. Yeah. This is the uh, two of ten. The Crosby's the two of ten.
0: Jesus. Get out of here. Those are, those are, and, and they're going to blow up when the, uh, what is it? The Skybox or the, or, uh, the new release that's coming out?
1: Skybox Metal Universe.
0: It's, those are going to even get even more.
1: Okay. Let's continue on here. Chris says the only way to protect yourself from show bidding is having knowledge of the market and of the card. If I see a card I want, and I think it's a fair price, I'll try to get it. Same here. Same here. Uh, no worries, Jordan. No worries at all. Ed Seat, shill bidding is when a seller asks you to bid on the card knowing you won't pay just to rise the sale price for the eventual auction winner. That's a great definition. Steve Larson says, is the days of retail flipping over? Target limits one per household. I think it's definitely going to be curbed 100%. Peter Chow says, to me, shill bidding is only if you have no intention of completing the purchase. Exactly. And another, definitely, uh, Rich says, definitely snipe to try to avoid shill bidding, but it's not perfect if there's already a a she war in there agreed, agreed with that. And PMN says who will get more hobby love over time? Crosby or Ovechkin. That's a great question. PMN. I mean, both I'm going to go. I know, I know that it's a cheat answer, but these guys for, from a hobby perspective have been tied at the hip since they first came into the league. I mean, Crosby was drafted first overall in 05. Ovechkin first overall in 04. But the 0405 season did not happen. They came in the league the same year. Their rookie cards are the same year. They both won copper cup Cups. They they're both generational players. I say both. I say both. I, I, I could not pick one over the other. I think they're both great collect uh players to collect.
0: But if you had to, if you had to, Jeremy, if you had to pick Crosby. One, Crosby.
1: If I had to, Crosby. He's okay. Canadian. Versus Ovechkin's a Russian, but I like Ovechkin's personality way more than, but Crosby still. Yeah. Crosby has what Carvin refers to as that goat moment where he scored the golden goal in the Olympics against team USA. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Crosby. Jordan says, Jeremy and Joe, how do you utilize arbitrage at all when investing in new cards? So in the interest of time, because we're going to end this in about three minutes, Jordan, we're just not going to take it, but do join us on clubhouse. At least me, I'm going to be opening up a room on Clubhouse here uh, shortly after we end this episode, and um, I encourage everybody to come join. If you're not yet on Clubhouse, but you do have an, you do have a iPhone that is not an, that is newer than an iPhone six, you can get onto Clubhouse, and there is a link in the Sports Cards Live Facebook group. It won't be that too far down. It's a post I made, and there are there is a link there that will get you onto Clubhouse. So um, please check it out. Mike says, totally agree. Could care less if the card was shilled. If I want it and get it under or at my max, I'm willing to pay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yes, Peter Chow for the golden goal. I'm with you on that. Fire Sports Car says, Ovechkin, much better than Crosby. Come on, man. I mean, I'm not going to come on, man. Uh, he's not much better than Crosby. Uh, I don't think he's much better than Crosby, Fire. But I think that he's different. He's, he's dynamic in his own ways. The, the, I mean... They're both great players. Criminal mind. How is bidding up a card because you have that same card, not manipulation of the true price? Because I'm going to pay for it. Criminal mind. If I pay for it and I'm going to own the card, I'm willing to pay the price. I don't sure why you don't understand it, but um, but I hope you catch on. I hope you catch on. Because if you don't understand this, you're probably not understanding a bunch of other things in the hobby that are probably important that you do as a player within the hobby. And Steve Larson says, what's the best young hockey player to invest in? Not really a hockey guy. I don't give investment advice, <clears throat> so I can't answer that. I really like Austin Matthews as a player. And I really like Connor McDavid as a player, and um, I'm buying their cards. But I would never, I would never advise anyone to invest in in any player. Joe,
0: the the rookie with the K, the uh, what What's his name?
1: Cap Resolve on the Minnesota North Stars.
0: He, he yeah. Said- he seems to be kind of a hot item, but I don't know. I, I, I can't really speak from a position of knowledge. Yeah, no, he, he's uh he,
1: he's a dynamic player. Capra's He's scoring goals, but he's a 23-year-old rookie, and he plays for the Minnesota Wild, which don't get much of the, you know, regionally speaking, don't get a lot of hobby love. So, um, but... If you want to speculate on somebody, I mean, sure, speculate on the, the flavor of the month, which you'll find just by listening to a lot of other channels out there. Uh, look at the stats. Look at look at the stats and people that are that are actually um, scoring and getting points. Uh, Robertson, I think his name is, on the Dallas Stars is is hot. He's in the rookie of the year. Him and Caprazov, I think, are the two guys contending for rookie of the year. So you could look in that direction, Steve. Card collector says, definitely don't come on, man. Jeremy, well done. Great conversation. Thank you, card collector. Criminal mind says not everybody has the intention of buying that card. They just want, yeah, well, if you don't, well, that's the distinction, criminal mind. If you don't have the intention of buying it, then your shill, if you, let me change that. If you're not going to pay for the card, if you win it, that's a shill bid. I'm saying, I'm not going to say anymore. I've said enough times. (laughs) Joe Jeremy says, Sidney Crosby is trash. Alex Ovi is way better. Uh, Kaprazov is now 24 years old and Valentini finishes it off by saying, great show, Jeremy and Joe, last question. Do you think Austin Matthews will hit 50 goals? How many goals does he need? And how many does he have? He's got this. I know he scored. Did he s- score tonight? Didn't he? I'm going to go look, Joe. I'm going to go look and see.
0: Yeah. You know, Valentini kitchens. I, I saw, I saw that, uh, name and I was trying to figure out why what they do, it's it's an interesting uh, handle, and I think they're they're involved in uh, some some interesting market. But uh, I don't, I can't tell you, Valentini. I'm not a hockey guy, but Jeremy will deliver some nugget of wisdom here now. I'm sure.
1: Well, I mean, it really depends how many uh, how many games is he, he? has 38 goals after tonight. Twelve more game, twelve more goals. I don't know how many games he has left. So, it really depends um, how many games he's got. I think, you know, he's not going to score two goals a game, so he has to have at least seven games left. If he's got 10 games left, I think he could do it. Okay. Uh, I had to block Joe Jeremy because he was just being a troll. Uh, Colin Murray says Ovi is number one. Lucky K, uh, thank you so much. Chris, regarding Kaprazov, see Panarin and his values. They're doing pretty fine. Daniel A says, Come on, Joe, stop. I stopped him, Daniel. I stopped him. Thank you. He's got 38 goals. Yes. Jahan. Sorry, Jahan. I I, I think I think I, yeah, it's Jahan, right? Joe, how the Knicks, how are the licks looking to you? looking to? You, I predict big upsets, guys. We're just gonna whip through these and we're gonna end this show in less than a minute. So we're not gonna really get into many more questions. Mike Zier is 20 is 24 years old, old in hockey years. You guys were just talking about guys playing until he's 50. Yeah, he's got a good 26 years. Left. It is old for it to be a rookie. Most players are 18, 19, 20 in their rookie year. Kitchen and bathroom renovator and manufacturer in Toronto. That's what Valentini does. Five games left. No, he's not going to get 50 goals. Austin scored four in his first game. Yes, he did. How many games has he scored four in since then? Though I would wonder. First time I said, so it is Yahan. Okay, awesome. Guys, we're going to end it here. That's it. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Criminal Mind, I hope you understand what showbidding is by the end of that because uh, we talked about it enough. Joe, thank you for joining. Chat, everybody. Again, great commentary tonight. Thanks for giving us topics to help us get through it. Valentini says, hope to sponsor you, Jeremy. One day we can talk when we meet up at the next Toronto Card Show post-COVID. Yeah, man, we can promote your kitchen business for sure. I've, there's no conflict of interest there whatsoever. Happy to do it. Daniel A., good night to you. All right, Joe, final words from you, and then we're, we're going to end this thing.
0: I hope everybody gets a good night's sleep, and uh, we're heading into summer. It should be interesting. For sure, man, for sure. Thanks for joining tonight, Joe. A
1: pleasure, as always, to have you. Everyone yep. in the chat, thanks so much. If we see you on Clubhouse in shortly, that'll be great. If not, we will uh, see you all back here next Saturday. Have a great week ahead. Thank you, and good night. Seeking the truth never gets old.